Hey everybody, this is Flavio Romeo, and on this episode of the Towncast, we had the ch- opportunity to talk to John Gray. He's a local resident who climbed Mount Everest and shares his story uh, about how he trained to get there, the other mountains he climbed before he got to climb Mount Everest. This is part one, uh, so stay tuned. Next week, we'll play part two. All right, enjoy the episode, everybody. such a great place it's a membership place uh shuffleboard they have a great bar they have a great catering hall upstairs but that's not why we're here we're here to talk to john gray john thank you so much for coming sure. so no i first learned about john gray because as you know we had adam fox on uh, several episodes as he was preparing and then ultimately climbed mount kilimanjaro and, and as it happens i saw that john was doing like a q a slide presentation because he climbed mount everest so, which is, I guess that's like the granddaddy, right? Everybody always talks about yeah. Mount Everest. The big, the big E. The big E. <laughs> so, so tell me, like, growing up, did you grow up in the area? I grew up in Ridgewood. Okay. Um, and left, I, I left Ridgewood uh, in, after college, 93, I went out to California. Okay. Um, and, and when did you first, like, get the bite, you know, the, the, the urge to climb? tall structures well um, like I growing up around here I, I went skiing a lot and I was um, you, you, know, you I, like the outdoors yeah I mean I feel like you have to like the outdoors yeah on snow out. days I'd be out I'd, I'd shovel my parents place <laughs> and then I'd go out and I'd be out all day yeah till dark yeah, yeah. and after a while you just get used to the cold and, um, so then when I went out to California Going to ski in Tahoe was like heaven. Was yeah, like yeah. Way better like than powder. Yeah. There's no actual, ice. Actual there's no powder. slush. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that from everybody I know that skis. Yeah. So um, I never really knew that much about climbing. Just you know what most people would see on a poster or a book or something. Yeah, but yeah. it it never really registered. You know. You never said, "I want to climb that." Yeah. Yeah. When, when did that um, finally kick Actually, on, on a trip to California with a friend to visit the San Francisco area, um, we drove through Yosemite at one point. Okay. And um, I was kind of just climbing things as a kid, you know, and climbing up on roofs and stuff. Like that. <laughs> climbing up on roofs. We all do that. <laughs> and we were driving through Yosemite, and, and me and this friend were just looking up at this granite hill and like hey let's pull over and try to scramble up that you know we had like I had Chuck Taylor high tops no socks (laughs) no water you know and we got pretty high and we got into this like crack system that we really shouldn't have been up there and so we just went down Um, did did you get to the point where like 
What are we doing? We gotta, yeah. let's, get, yeah. let's go back. Too high, and then you can't you can't get down. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so I was always kind of, you know, just just the basic, you know. I wonder what it would be like to to try to get up there, and then what it would look like when you're up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because that to me must be the most amazing things. I mean, I saw I saw the pictures that Adam posted, and and we shared them with with everybody. The view from being at the top of any of those mountains because yeah. you know even though some of them are a lot smaller than others they're still the largest in that continent yeah so you're still seeing everything you're still at the highest point yeah you know on that continent yeah and it gives you a perspective you can see like you can see the town where you just drove through yeah, and yeah. you know you can, yeah even on a six thousand feet or eight thousand feet um so but, when when did you finally say ah, let's let's well, try one of these? So I I was in college I was I was on the rowing team and then which I, is which I, is a foundation for mountain climbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's one of the it's one of these sports that's you know if you like punishment that's it. That's, that's, that's your sport. We have crew. Yeah, yeah. crew. <clears throat> then after after college. Then I was getting into cycling, and that's kind of another. You know, I was starting to get. I was doing it with people who were really into it, and you know, climbing up big mountains on your bike. And, yeah, yeah. See, you have um, the body of a rower and a cyclist. I have the body of someone who plays darts. Yeah. <laughs> that's where he hangs out at the Grac. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Nothing against anybody that hangs out at the Grac, yeah. but yeah. So. Then. Uh, I was, I was at this mountain bike where I was, do, I was doing mountain biking and road riding and stuff. So I show up to this this one ride. It was every Wednesday. People just meet up in this parking lot and you can just roll in. And oh, that's cool. Sometimes I just ride you don't even know everybody, but yeah, yeah and we roll out to, it's down in uh, Los Galos. Does that get competitive when you're, when you're or is everybody just riding? No, just riding. Yeah. There, was, there were some areas where it was very rare that you could make it up without coming off the bike yeah um so we're always challenging each other but so this one friend of mine rolls in um i didn't really know him at the time he rolls in late and he said hey sorry i'm late i was at rei buying crampons that's crampon that's what i said <laughs> and i had this you know it's like you go back and you I don't remember what I didn't know. I was I don't know what I knew or didn't right. know. And I'm like crampons. I I kind of had this vague, vague notion of what that was. It was like rowing before I rowed. I, you know, I didn't know if it was a rowboat or a, you know what. Right. Um, but so then after the ride, we go to a to get some burritos, and he's like, yeah, so. Uh, Get, I'm preparing for an uh, expedition to Mount Shasta, you know. And Mount Shasta is, that, is that in California? It's in Northern California. Okay. It's, uh, it's a 14-er. It's a 14,000-foot peak. Oh, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> there's, the, there's a few in, in California and Oregon, um, Mount Rainier in Washington. Yeah. Colorado has a ton of 14. It's like 52 or something. 52, 14,000, 14, really? And some are, like Shasta, Rainier, they're, 
they're usually snow covered year round. Um, so you do it kind of in spring or early summer. Yeah. And um, that was your first one. Yeah. So I afterward I just kind of took in what he was saying and then later went home and emailed him and you know begged begged for him to take me on his trip. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And it turns so out got the, it's like okay. I, let me see if I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. But it turns out it was just him and like this one other guy. So it wasn't it wasn't really an expedition and it wasn't very exclusive. So there were no guides, there were no it was yeah. just you three. Yeah, so how long did it take you to to summit? Um it was a three day thing. Okay. Usually you, you go up from the parking lot on uh, we did the Avalanche Gulch route, which is like the normal route that most people do. And you go up halfway to ten thousand feet make camp and then in the morning early early go up to the summit and then come back down okay so it's two to the top and one down or took yeah two then, days then once you get to the summit then you come back down break camp come yeah. all the way out um on our on our summit yeah so this was like the first introduction to the alpine stuff so it's like getting up at like one try to leave at like 2.30, maybe 3. Because um, you want to get up and then back down before like the heat of the day and things start melting and... Was there ever, like, was there threats of avalanche? I mean, was it that kind of snow? Or? Well, it's volcanic. Okay. A lot a lot of those mountains, are, they call it the Ring of Fire. There's Shasta, Rainier, Mount Hood. They're all volcanoes. So the, the, the stuff under the snow is all loose. So as it starts to melt out, especially later in the year, things slide. Yeah. Well, you have like, you know, softball-sized chunks of rock that start falling, and they get some speed. And yeah, yeah. I've seen, seen them like whiz past somebody's head. So that's why you want to kind of get up in the early part of the day, where it's still cold, and things are still frozen. Yeah. Um, we got up to go to the summit, and we got maybe, you know, halfway towards this one landmark called the Red Banks. And it was kind of white out. It was snowing a little bit. And Jim and, and the other guy were like, we should, you know, we should turn around. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So we turned around, went back to camp. And that was, that was, that worked out because we hung out. So we're hanging out at 10,000 feet. Yeah. So you're you're acclimatizing a little bit more because we're coming from the Bay Area, which is sea level. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, it cleared up within a couple hours, but by that point, it's too late to go back up. So yeah, to just hang out. So we're just like cooking food, having breakfast, chilling out. <clears throat> and then we're we're noticing that um, Jim had picked this day be, this weekend because there was going to be a full moon. It'd be easier to see, you know, the early morning hours. Right. <clears throat> but it was also uh, Memorial Day. Yeah. Oh. So I counted like 50 tents up at oh, this, no. at this really? camp area. And there was all sorts of people. I mean, we were no different because I was like pulling the tags off my some of my gear in the parking <laughs> lot. Going. Yeah. And we see the guy, the there's a ranger who goes up there and just parks himself up there. 
and he was now would he say to people listen you're not prepared or would he give you advice well, warnings they, they or were like asking him questions oh, okay. about stuff and he was giving some advice and um, I remember he was holding up an ice axe to the, this group and he said this is the pick this is the spike this is the axe he's going through the anatomy of an ice axe you know and you're you're halfway up the mountain. Which you would think that people at that point, being halfway up the mountain, should know this. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had, this is back when Jim had a, a VHS tape of. <laughs> there was of, no Google, there's yeah. no YouTube. We got together, we, there, we passed around a book. There's a book by, um, I think, Steve Lewis, who at that point had climbed Shasta like 50 times or 100 wow. times or something. So he wrote this book. It's kind of a short book. Like everything you need to know to do the Avalanche Gold Trail. Oh, that's right. And we all read it, passed it around. We watched our VHS tape. It was the, the Lowe brothers, Alex Lowe, and, um, and they're, they're legendary like climbers from way back. And uh, they were doing like ice climbing technique and ice axe. And, you know, just so we're kind of immersing ourselves. This is like our first real, you know. Yeah. Um, I hadn't even really been backpacking that much, or you know. So this, I, you I went from like scouts, zero but, to fourteen thousand feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was Boy Scouts was was good, you know, but the, the gear and, and a lot of the stuff is just so different. Yeah. You know, all these years later. So so after Shasta, when you came back down, did did you like get the urge? Well, again, we went to get burritos. <laughs> a lot of Cyclists and climbers, just it's just like climb, burritos. burritos. Cycle, burritos. burritos right. We found a little Mexican place in town and got a, got a pitcher of beer. And, we're, and you know, the morning you, you, you go up to the summit, so now we're like, we're more acclimatized than everybody else. So we're like, we're kind of cruising up the mountain. But then you come back down, you rest for a minute, you break camp, and you come all the way down. So that, that summit day is is a long day. Yeah. It's like um, how many hours? Well, we probably got up at one, and then you know, um, probably four or five hours to the top, and then a couple hours back down, and then, so you're you're getting down kind of early in the day, but it's just it, it was a shock to the system of how how relentless it is I mean you we could have come back and just slept another day but we only really planned for an overnight so we, you know, now we're spending two nights we don't want to spend another night yeah um, but even then we get back down we shower we go out to eat and we're like burritos yeah and we're sitting there with our, our pitcher of beer and we're like okay what's next you know? all right so, so okay. that, that's kind of where it, that's where that's the, your launching point with Shasta yeah everything was just like you know what's the next goal and then you just climb and hike and trail run or cycle a lot of a lot of time we're just cycling now did you did you look at it and say okay so we did 14,000 feet did you look at the next one as being like a, a, a taller mountain or a more challenging mountain what was the well what was the process kind of early on we we're you know we we're joking that we're doing we're doing all these like best ups like Shasta is the highest point in California. And then um, we did 
Whitney, which is, um, there's some technical routes on it, but again, like the normal route is, um, you might see a little bit of snow and ice at the top, but it's, it's just a hike. Um, but that's the tallest in the continental U.S., in the 48, oh, okay. the lower 48. So we did, now we did the highest in the U.S. And then um, the next year we did Rainier. Okay. Mount Rainier was more, was another step up. Um, and that's, that's the tallest in, uh, in Washington. And that was, that felt like more, more of a serious thing because you're, you're packing to get on an airplane. So it was, it was like flying to Kilimanjaro or flying to the Himalayas. Um, Are you loading up gear? Yeah, you can't just like throw a bunch of junk in the car and drive off and then, you know, <laughs> stop off, you know. For burritos. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Rainier was, was another, you know, step up in, um, we did, we did that guided with Rainier Mountaineering Incorporated. Okay. Um, so there are, there are those companies that, like for people that, that may be watching this saying, oh, I want to do this, there are companies that, expedition companies that you can research and then, you know, hook up with and they'll take you on that expedition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you're not on your own. Some mountains, there's, there's only a few that are allowed. They have a concession. So RMI is one. There's a, there's a few on, on Rainier that, um, it, it's pretty limited, I think, because it's, it's like a national park and, um, and we had a we had a guide the, the lead guide on that trip was this guy named Dave Hahn um, at one point Dave Dave was he, he would work for RMI and then he he would guide Everest and he would guide Vincent and he would just he would just follow the season and follow different mountains at one point he had the most summits of any non-Sherpa. Really? Um, of anyone. Um, I didn't, of course, you know, that was every, your, everything that was, was like new to us, like it was the first time for everything. Yeah. And we're at the, like the, the meetup shack at the bottom where they have, they have a bunch of gear. I'd rented a down jacket because that was recommended. And we're all grouped up there and they, they go through your pack and they, see what you're bringing um, so they'll give you advice like you need this you don't have one of these or you don't or, need this you don't need that take things out yeah, yeah. You don't need that. <laughs> overkill too much weight too yeah. much weight yeah they look at you they're like you're not you're not going to survive with this this amount of stuff yeah <laughs> um, it's good that they do that yeah yeah it's um it's pretty standard for guides to you know they want to know what they're getting into with because they're going to be up on a mountain with these people. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to have to carry you up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so then this, this guy, Dave Hahn, walks in, and, and people are like, Ooh. you know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, kind of joking around. And, um, Did you know who he was all the time? No. Yeah, so you were like, it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, early on, somebody was saying, they're asking him, somebody said something about using oxygen on Rainier, and, and Dave said, nobody has ever climbed Mount Rainier without the use of oxygen. Really? He's like, we're all, 
you're just breathing it. You're using it. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> the you, there's nobody to use the supplemental oxygen. Right, right. Yeah, oxygen is around us. We're yeah. using it right now, yeah. So he's kind of a dry humor. Like, you, you just kind of watch this guy and you're like, okay, you know, he's, he's been around. He's, he, he knows all the, the bad jokes. And, um, but after that trip, um, we came we came down and we were staying at this local motel a little ways down from the mountain and dave like came by because he was like there's a, a gear shop nearby and there's it's a very small little place um and my friend jim was struck up a conversation with with dave and um there there had been an expedition to try to find mallory and irvine in 99. So this is 1999 when we did the chassis. Oh, okay. Right. Um, or, um, now, this, this is Rainier. This was 2001, I think. In 99, they had done this expedition. It was Dave Hahn, um, Conrad Anker, you know, a few of the notable people in climbing. And they went to the north side to try to find, and they found. Um, Mallory's remains and um, you know I, I wasn't as clued into this as, as my friend Jim was and so he was you know where Dave was like using the camera and I think um, National Geographic was involved and they you know he was like I was filming when they like you know they found it like flipped over this little tag on his clothing and saw his name written oh, on his, on his See, as soon as you say remains, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'll watch it on TV. Yeah. Wow. Because the, the, you know, the, the story of Mallory and Irvine was they went up and they were, they were spotted very high on the mountain and then they were never seen again. And so Hillary, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay were the first to climb Everest and make it back. Yeah. And so that's a whole other debate in the mountaineering world and yeah, yeah. Um, did did Mallory and Irvine make it right and then they just you know yeah they stood on top they stood on top but um, they didn't come back you never know shit for sure and they've never found the camera wow um, so so how long after that did you say all right let's go for the big one well so then we went back and did like Whitney another time, um, and then we weren't really doing too much. I mean, we're me and my friends were all like working all the time, and you know we're kind of weekend warriors. We're trying to we're trying to be pro climbers, but you know yeah, it's it's commitment. You got you got to make money too. And, yeah, so and it's pricey. I mean, it, the bigger the mountain, the higher the yeah, price. Yeah, it's like. You work during the week, so you can climb on the weekends, and you know, so you're you're never doing it full time, so you're you're never quite at the elite level. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, there's different ways of people can manage that. But um, so this person we knew of um, was going to do a slideshow at REI one night, so. Uh, his name is Rob Chang. Shout out to Rob Chang. 
Um, so we go and we see his, he, he, would, he did a whole presentation on Ama de Blanc, which is another mountain. It's, it's on the way to Everest. You, you pass by it, you, you have lots of views of it. It's oh, a very, it's, um, it's, it's not, it's not um, at the level of the 8,000 meter peaks. It's, I, don't, I think it's 21. Um, but it's it's a very classic peak, like the the, the lines and the shape of it, um, and it's it's a, it's a pretty you know it's it's guided and there's there's a well worn path to the top of it, but it's it's you know fairly technical, and it's in the Himalayas, so it's yeah know. I feel like the whole Himalayas are technical yeah yeah so. Um, so he did the slideshow, and we went out. We took him out for um, burritos. Not burritos. It was, <laughs> it was like climb. a Fridays or something. Right. <laughs> and um, so we're talking to this guy, and he's got like this North Face jacket with sponsor logos all over, you know. And um, we're uh, talking about climbing, just you know, because we're we're like in the immersion phase. Like we're we're still kind of new at all this, and we're the honeymoon like, phase. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we, we quickly, Rob and me and Jim, and it, it eventually became like 17 people wow. organized this trip to the Himalayas to do a couple of 20,000 foot peaks, like 6,000 meter peaks. Um, peaks like that nowadays they call, um, Climbing peaks, and then the Everest and Lhotse, and those are expedition peaks. Okay. Um, the these lower peaks they used to call them trekking peaks, but that kind of kind of didn't do them justice. So they call those climbing peaks, and then there's expedition peaks that are bigger. Um, so that was going to be like a three-week trip. Um, you're trekking in the Himalayas, so you're you're trekking to 10, 12, 14, Three 16. weeks. Three weeks of actually hiking and three weeks all together. Yeah. You know, you're there's a couple days on either end of the trip. Um, so that was that was good because you you see you see Kathmandu, you you experience the food, the Sherpas, some of the language, um, and the trekking is you know if you go over there and just do a trek, it's it's an adventure because. There's villages at like 14,000 feet, which is the really? summit of Shasta and Rainier. And there are villages, and people live villages, at that height. There's villages, you know, stone and wow, some metal reefs and stuff. Um, and a lot of times, like they'll get a, you know, in the spring season, you know, a lot of times it's, there's no snow anywhere. There's there's peaks all around you. And that's the thing, like you, you're standing there at 14,000 feet outside of this tea house. And you're and, still looking up. And you're looking up and, you know, it's, you know, it's just a, it's, it's still it's like big. another five, 6,000 feet above you. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, you have pictures of that? Yeah. You have pictures along the way? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Make sure you send it to me. I want to put some up there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we trek around, go, we, there were so many of it. There's, there's like a lot of tea houses. They're kind of modeled 
they're, they're similar, I think, to things you'd see in Europe. They're kind of modeled after um, how they're set up, and there's seating around the perimeter, and there's a stove in the middle. There's so many of us that we, we didn't want to take over the tea house, so we'd camp outside. But then we'd hang out in the tea house. And, um, but Rob, you know, he's like, we need to sleep outside. We need to be, like, roughing it. Um, because then we... You got to get used to we, the elements. Yeah. You, called, you said it before, climatize, right? Yeah, you're climatizing on the trek, um, but then just sleeping outside. The tea houses are, are not luxurious, but you have a roof over your head, you have a, a very simple bed with some foam on it. Um, and it's easy, you can stand up, right? And, but we wanted to, you know, stay in tents along the way. And then we branch off and go to, we did Island Peak and Lobouche East, which is not a household name, but people who've, who've gone over there and, and trekked around and done some of these lower peaks, they these are very common, you know, Island Peak, Lobouche. Um, it's like a warm up. Yeah, you're, you're, it's the full, full deal of crampons, ice axe, you know, roping up here and there. Um, so that was, that was, you know, in terms of like being out in the elements and being far away from home and like, you know, strange money that you're using and, um, <laughs> you know, so that, that gave us an introduction to the Himalayas and the whole thing um, and then the following year that that was 03 04 we organized a trip to Denali so that was myself Jim Rob um, and then we had these three other people so six of us it was kind of a kind of a big and this is you, you've now made a commitment to mountain climbing yeah 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 just going from you know, and it's not like I'm doing a big peak every month. You know, it's it's more like there's kind of one big thing a year, yeah. and then maybe well, it's, a it's, it's a lot of time. Thing. It's a lot of time involved. Yeah, commitment. Getting the vacation, the money. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. On Denali, you're on your own. They drop you on the glacier. They you fly in these little planes. They land on the on the glacier on skis. Really. And. Um, they drop you off and the and the pilot like does a quick U-turn and you know he's like help me get unstuck you know and we push him <laughs> push and he, me <laughs> and he, he so you're really on your own yeah and, and for some reason we went early that that season we were like the things were really first. still cold and icy yeah and um, the pilot you know when, when you land he goes up and he does you know, does a U-turn, he's like under full power, and then he's like heading downhill. Oh, swings open the doors, he's throwing duffel bags out, you know, because the weather can just close in in a second. Yeah, yeah. So then he, he gives us some some sage advice and, you know, yells clear out the window and uh, fires up his plane, he takes off, and, you know, we're just watching him as, you know, it's a sight to see this thing skiing down the hill and then yeah, take off and he takes up all, and then it gets really quiet and you just feel this cool breeze like the back of your neck wow, this is like, really happening <laughs> yeah so you're dragging sleds it's it's like an arctic expedition you know you 
you have a big pack and a big sled, um, tons and tons of gear because you're 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 trekking in for a long ways till you actually get to the mountain where you're actually climbing, and you're so you're bringing gear up, and you usually will bury it and come back down and then go back up, make camp, and then come back down. There's a whole different strategy of. of it helps you acclimatize and it helps your fitness. Yeah. But it's just it's brutal and you know, you're it's all on your own and because it takes you a while just to get to the actual mountain part of the mountain. Um it takes more days. So more days you need more food. But then more food you have more that's more tonnage that you're carrying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long was it from start to finish? How long was the whole climb? That first trip was, um, we were on the mountain for 19 days. 19 days? Yeah, and we got stuck at 14,000 foot camp. That That's a big, kind of like on Shasta at the 10,000 10, foot level, there's like a plateau. Um, and everybody naturally just stops there. Um, at 14,000 foot on Denali, that's the this big basin where tons of people stay. And we got stormed in there for like five days. and So you just, there's nothing you could do, you're just hanging out. Yeah, we're getting up in the middle of the night, shoveling, shoveling the tent out. Wind is blowing like I've never seen you. You take a shovel and you just throw it like this and it just disappears, you never see it land. On that, on that, still, it's still blowing more snow on your tent. Yeah, I mean, you're just trying to like keep it from getting unburied and you know, it's the middle of the night, and you're like putting on your layers and your Ugh. socks and your boots, and it's just 19 days. Yeah, and up until that point, you know, I, as as we're getting into this whole mountaineering thing, you know, you're reading books and magazines. I've heard of people getting weathered in, like you know, Arctic, the, the original Arctic explorers. And I just could never imagine, like, you know, being stuck for, for days and days, and yeah. you know. But it happened. It was like five days. Yeah, you, you had enough food for the 19 days. I mean, yeah, and the, the weather would break here and there. You could cook. Sometimes we'd be cooking in our vestibule. Um, so it was kind of sheltered. Um, if it got really quiet, we'd go out and cook outside. Um, but then at the end of that, it would, some, some of the guys had to get back. And... Um, so they just went down. They didn't go up anyways. Well, I gotta work. We, we all went down as a group. Yeah, I gotta work. Yeah. <laughs> and but that, again, that's one of those things that you don't ever expect. Like I know talking to Adam, you, know, you never expected every single day to rain, like torrential torrential rain nonstop. Yeah. For all those days, you just can't prepare for it. Yeah. So you know, there's no way. Did you have those same concerns when you were going on Everest? I mean, is that is that similar type of climate? Um. Well, Denali's very, it's, it's Arctic conditions. Yeah. It's very high, it's 63 latitude, so it's higher up on the globe. Um, Everest is like That's true. 26 yeah. or something, yeah. 23. Alaska, like hardcore Alaskans and, and hardcore Himalayan climbers, like if you're gonna do Everest, the Himalayan climbers say, Go and do Denali first. First, okay. And train. 
So that's why you did Denali. The, the Alaskan people say, no, you got to go do Everest to get ready for Denali. Oh, really? How do you feel about it now that you've done both? Like, what would you recommend for people that are watching right now? Um. Don't do any of it. <laughs> Stay at home. Stay at home. For you guys that don't know, Adam's sitting here just because he wants to hear, because he's going to be doing Everest at some point, so yeah. I wanted to hear the stories. Take care, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. I I probably I probably side with the Alaskans and, and do Everest first. No, do Denali, Denali first. first. Yeah, yeah. Um. Because it's 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 very hard training. It, yeah, you know, I can if you imagine. Can, if you can, it's also like mentally. Um. You know, it's just it's just a ton of work. Yeah. To, to do it. Um. But it it was. You know, it, it having been to the Himalayas and having having all that experience and just um, the next time you go, it's not all brand new to you. Right. And then doing Denali right after that. And the six of us came off Denali, and we came back to the Bay Area, and we we brought way too much food, so we had I had a ton of food left. Emptying all our food out in in, in our garage, and it was like. So then me and Rob said, well, you know what? We still have a ton of food left. And the permits, you, you, you need a permit that was like, back then it was 125 bucks. Then it went to 250, now it's like 500. But the permits are good for the whole, the whole year. There's no, you know. So we booked some flights. I got a free flight from a friend. And go all the way back up there, go to Anchorage, go to Talkeetna, go to the ranger station to check in. And the guy's like, open our file, and he's looking, he looks up, and he's like, you guys are back? <laughs> Did he's you like, just nobody, do this? He's like, nobody comes back. <laughs> like, people were doing the seven summits. Yeah. It's one of the seven summits. Yeah, so yeah. You, you get this melting pot of, like, people from all over the world. Yeah, the sure. Night. But they, they go and do it once, and they suffer through it, and then they're, they're out of it. That's it, never again. 